Any mistakes that I make in speaking are the interference of a ghost. Yes, our apartment is now haunted. Yep. You are listening to not a haunted episode of CritterCast. <laughs> it's Cassie and Karina and we're at it again. Sharing cool facts about our animal friends. We make stupid jokes and we laugh a lot, but we also like to learn, so give us a shot. We'll talk about snails and their tweezer teeth. Or gush about our love of manatees. We'll tell you why owls are so scary to us. And there's tons more critters that we'll discuss. We promise to make sure you'll have a blast. Because you're listening to CritterCast. I did not cut us off. Thank you. Welcome to episode 39? 39. Goodness, yep. I'm I'm not wrong. Host Cassie. And I am co-host Karina, and this is CritterCast. Welcome. Yeah, I had to. Th- I'm. I'll have to like triple check just so that I don't feel paranoid. But I'm pretty sure it's 39. I'm pretty sure it is 39. Oof. I think meerkats were 38. Yeah, Arapaima was 30. Yeah. Yep. No, we are on episode 39. Oh my goodness. Um, it's crazy in the CritterCast world, you guys. We we did manage to record a special episode for our Patreon family. Oh, um, it's it so will good. go up at some point this week, probably in conjunction with um, with this episode. So Patreon, mm-hmm. if you're if you're on Patreon or you'd like to be on Patreon, you'll just get a double treat this week. And why don't we upload a little promo of it on our regular? feed so that people can see yeah, what yeah. sorts of things we talk about. Well, we can episodes. do a little, we'll do a little sneak peek. Yeah. Um, that's just got like a little clip of it. Yeah. Um, to entice you guys to, um, join on in Patreon, join, come on. I don't know. Become a patron. Yes. Yeah. On Patreon. Yeah. Just like hop on that train, get in there, learn about the magical Woo-hoo! critters. It's what we do. Get stickers, get birthday packages, get all the fun stuff. That's right. And sometimes like random things that we just don't feel like posting to our main page and we are just like, meh. Would you call that insider information? Yeah. It's just kind of like random assorted behind the scenes footage and little clips that, you know, didn't make the cut for a main page, like just bonus stuff. Anything extra that we don't, um, that we don't feel like fits in like time constraint wise. Like sometimes we try to keep those videos down, um, gets uploaded to Patreon so that our extra lovely listeners and supporters, um, just have some little extra treats. Yeah. For us to say, thank you so much. We appreciate your time and investment in us. Absolutely. Um, and you know, it is because, and thanks to our Patreon subscribers that we have better audio quality now. It's because of them that we were able to go to a reptile show um, and start doing, which is what inspired us to start doing resources and having that up on our website. So our Patreon supporters have made a lot possible for our cast and it's an exciting opportunity that you don't want to miss out. So definitely Hop on over there. Absolutely. And welcome to our newest Patreon supporter, Nancy. Thank you so much for joining the team. Yes. You get all kinds of special shout outs too when you're a Patreon. I just oh, want to. Yeah, you do. It's that. Um, but this episode, open to all. You don't have to be a Patreon. If you're just joining us here at CritterCast, we are an animal themed podcast. We are not experts in anything we talk about. We do research. We try to pick like one or two like really interesting facts and yeah. just obsess over them. Yeah. We'll talk about the basics too. Absolutely. Um, we pick a new animal every episode. Mm-hmm. And when we started this journey, we picked two general oh, yeah. categories because oh we gosh. didn't understand what we were going to do yet. Yeah. Now we know specifically we pick one species. Yeah. And sometimes we even pick one subspecies. Yes. It just depends on how. Yeah. How nitty gritty we like got to get. today. Mm-hmm. That's oh, what is it we're one doing subspecies? today. It is one subspecies. Well, there you go. Can you believe that we did an entire cephalopods episode? Yeah. An entire I know. geckos episode? I know. Thousands of species of geckos and we did one. Yeah. We will circle back around to geckos. Oh, yeah. Eventually. Absolutely. And, and pick one and just talk about that one. But yeah. um, what are we talking about today? Okay. We're talking about horseshoe crabs. Okay. Have okay. you seen... I'm, I'm sure yeah. when you see a picture, you'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah, a yeah. horseshoe crab. Like, yeah. I can pick... I can, I can pull one picture up in my right head. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So I picked this because there's some really cool stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. But also, they're just really weird oh no weird and i love it oh of course you do i love of course you do i feel like i like to pick 
either like cute and cuddly animals uh-huh. like meerkats or, yeah. um, you know, or animals like intentionally to make you squeamish like, like mealworms. Insects. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but uh, like that's my standard choice. And you just like to pick the weirdos. I do. And then, you know, you have to convince me that I should like them because I'm usually too weirded out to automatically jump on the train. Yeah. That's the fun part. Oh, for my me. gosh. <laughs> So I don't I don't think I'll have much trouble convincing you to at least appreciate them this time. Well, I mean, like a crab's a crab. They you are know? crabs. They Gotta are very wonky little things. Crabby. <laughs> Shelf shelly, shellfish fishy. I don't know. Never mind. Kind of fishy. Yeah. 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 They're not well, I was gonna say that, but then they're not fish. And I didn't want to say shellfishy, you know? Well, don't put them on a shelf just yet. Oh, my God. Ha ha. All right. So here's the thing, though, about horseshoe crabs. They're not crabs. What? They're not crabs. No. Yeah. That's a lie. No, they're not. Are they at least crustaceans? They are a distant relative of crustaceans. What? So we're talking about horseshoe crabs, also known as Limulus polyphemus. They're commonly known as horseshoe, quote unquote, crabs. They were originally classified as a crab, but that was erroneous. As I said, they are a distant relative of crustaceans, but they're actually more closely related to, do you have any guesses? Uh, cephalopods, because you brought it up. Nope. I don't know then. Arachnids. Oh my God. Yeah. Underwater spiders. Yep. I'm actually kind of into that. Right? Yeah. I knew you would be. Uh, well, you know me. I like. Uh, I think just to spite the like four people in my life that are like desperately afraid of spiders, uh-huh. I, I like spiders. Hey, excellent. Just to spite them. Perfect. Sounds it's not good. even like I don't like them. Like my best friend and my brother are like deathly afraid of spiders. And I'm mm-hmm. like, get over it. <laughs> Look, spiders are cool. Say hi. I know. <laughs> it's your friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm so glad because some people probably get a little creeped out when they think about spiders in the ocean. Yeah. Well... When mm-hmm. you say it like that, yeah. suddenly I <laughs> like it a lot less. But <laughs> I also try to avoid the ocean, like actually going in the ocean, like mm-hmm. as much as possible. There's a lot of creepy yeah. stuff in the ocean. I, I just, love it. I don't even want fish like rubbing up against my legs. So, so you I'm would never good. do that type of the pedicure with the fish that no, at your never, dead never. Skin. never. <laughs> That's so gross. I mean, they're literally eating yeah, you. They live off of you. That's disgusting. I feel like it's a symbiotic relationship. Oh, like scientifically, yeah. totally understand it. Great. I don't want fish eating my feet. You will not be engaging in that particular relationship. No. Fair. Very understandable. So the thing that this really reminds me of is uh, when I first watched an episode of Good Eats with Alton Brown, when he was talking about how to get over feeling bad about killing a lobster. Okay. When you want to cook a lobster and you have to kill it. Yes. And he was talking about how you shouldn't feel too bad about that because lobster's closest relatives are... Spiders. Cockroaches. What? Yeah. (laughs) I'm so confused. Yeah. How are their closest relatives cockroaches? I don't know. I didn't research them too much for this, but they're a branch of crustaceans that are closely related to you. Cockroaches. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's just like again taxonomy. Yeah. Just want to point out that it literally makes no sense. So wonky. It's fine. So they're more closely related to we're talking about the horseshoe crabs again. Right. We're leaving behind the lobsters lobsters. and Alton Brown. Yeah. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're more closely related to spiders, scorpions, and ticks. Ooh, yeah. no, don't get me started. One of our dogs at the shelter has ticks, and I hate <sighs> it. Ticks are gross, man. Ticks are the worst. Yep, yep. Like, spiders are cool. Honestly, like, roaches don't ah. even make me that squeamish. No. But I hate ticks so yeah, much. They're disgusting. They are the worst. Yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> They're different from true crabs because they have no antenna and no mandibles, which are the mouth parts that they use for grinding food. Right, right. They don't have those. The Exactly. The clickers. Exactly, the clickers, the little pincers. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. They don't have those. 
like spiders, they have a pair of chelicerae. Okay. Chelicerae. Latin. Yeah. C-H-E-L-I-C-E-R-A-E. Yeah. They are small appendages that they use to move their food into their mouth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. They're like legs. Yeah. And they on, just kind of scoot it into them. And mouth. the funny thing is like on spiders, even though they're not, they're not mandibles. Right. It's not the same thing. We kind of think of them functioning more like mandibles. Right. But right. they're not exactly mandibles. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. But it's the same kind of idea. Take things, move them into the mouth. Mm-hmm. Take them, put them in. Yeah, Take exactly. Them, put them right in. Right down the hatch. All the way down. Yep. Yep. Also, I want to hit pause for just a mini second and yeah. say that I didn't know what a horseshoe crab looked like. Oh, what were you or thinking I didn't, it was? I think I was thinking of a fiddler crab. For oh, no reason in my head. Okay. And then I just quickly Googled it to try and get a picture. And now I think it looks more like a cockroach than anything else. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I went from feeling pretty good about, or feeling, mm-hmm. you know, don't really care about horseshoe crabs to excited when you mentioned that they were spider like to not liking them at all. Oh, oh no. This is a whole <laughs> whirlwind of emotion. I don't know. Great. I embrace it. Uh, well, let's, yeah, let's talk about their appearance a little bit then. Okay. So they get their name because they're, they have an arc shaped carapace mm-hmm. and their um, exoskeleton. It's been compared to horse, a horse's shoe, like that U shaped. Right. And they've right. got two main pieces, mm-hmm. right? They've got the little head piece and then the big U shaped body exoskeleton. Right. Okay. Um, and then they also have, a pair of feeding pincers, the chelishurai, and five pairs of legs. Five pairs, Mm -hmm. 10 legs. So not spider nor crab. No. It's fine. No. Their second body section, that's their abdomen. Mm -hmm. It also has five sets of book gills, which are these flap-like structures that allow the horseshoe crab to breathe underwater. Right. And they sometimes use them to swim upside down, too. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go for it. And then they walk with their five pairs of legs. Mm-hmm. The last pair of legs is particularly handy because it kind of looks like a hand with five fingers. Like the last leg has five like fingers on the end of Coming it? Coming off the end of it. Why? I don't know. I, I, oh, well, okay. okay. So they, they use their legs, um, not just for protection, but to assist in eating their legs, like tear food apart and then okay. kind of scooch the food under their bodies towards their mouths. Okay. And then they, um, the mouth also is located kind of at the center of its body. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was, um, like, so the mouth is not on the head part of the body. No. It's, on the, it's like um, like if you turn over a, a stingray. Yeah. 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 Where it's on the underside. Mm-hmm. Well, because like the head, well, quote unquote, head part of the body. Yeah. They just, they have, instead of having a little head that pops out from like under their shell, like a turtle or like a traditional crab. Yeah. It's just that exoskeleton on the top. Yeah. Which makes them look more like shells that have been abandoned which i suppose is probably a a a benefit somewhere in the ocean but yeah i had to look up a drawing because the the picture pictures were just like kind of muddy and not doing it justice for me but then on the drawing you can see that the first four pairs of legs still have like two it's like you know if you had two fingers like little mittens yeah and then the back pair just have a couple extra little yeah, thingies. I, it's I a don't lot know. of appendages. They, look, they kind of look like frog legs without the webbing. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yep. I don't know if that helps other people, but it helps Karina. Yeah, we'll put up pictures. Yeah, I literally saved this one because I felt like it was the most helpful. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that they have their mouth centrally located and they, they use their legs to help them yeah. get food in their mouth yeah. helps them to get a part of the name of the class that they're a part of, mm-hmm. which is Merostomata, which means legs attached to the mouth. All right. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Why not? You know? 
So there's only right now four living species of horseshoe crabs. And the main one that we'll be talking about in this episode is the Atlantic horseshoe crab. Okay. 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 They, it's, a spe- it's the only species that's native to the Atlantic Ocean. The mm-hmm. other three can be found in the Indian and Pacific Oceans. Okay. So horseshoe crabs look really prehistoric. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like they like they hit like they evolved into that and yeah. then they just yep didn't. Yeah, 100%. A lot yeah. a lot of people and I want to add a caveat here about research because I did a lot a lot of research on this and there were a lot of people who said just slightly different things and part of the problem is that most of the time these animals live in deep underwater. So we don't really have a ton of information about them. And a lot of times the information is kind of contradictory. Mm-hmm. So take what I say with like a slightly extra grain of salt. We always say we're not experts. And I did my best to make sense of the research as like I could put it together. Right. But some people would say like, oh, they've been around for 200 and 20 million years. And other people would say they've been around for 420 million years. And other people would say, oh, no, only 20 million years. Which we're talking about so long ago yeah. that does it matter? Well, apparently, if it's only 20 million years, you don't get to be called a living fossil. Oh. Which is what a lot of people call them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Whatever. So. That's rude. <laughs> Super rude. It's fine. They, if, to me... It's a living fossil if it looks like a living fossil. Yeah, it looks like a living fossil. If you like, you should be dead and fossilized, but you alive, you a living fossil. So I think think what people are talking about is the fact that the Atlantic horseshoe crab itself Mm -hmm. is a newer version of the horseshoe crab, a newer evolution. Whatever. But horseshoe crab's ancestors that still looked pretty darn horseshoe crabby have been around... Um, they like they were present 520 million years ago. Yeah, and guys, we can't test their DNA. They're long gone. So who's to say who's to that say? they weren't basically genetically identical? I mean, they probably weren't. But yeah, they probably were actually. They no sure. Okay. You can't test. You can't prove me wrong. No, so. but we have fossils, and so? they look a little different. No, they doesn't matter. Oh, you okay. and I look a little I mean, different. We're genetically true. pretty much the right. same. Accurate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) So on average, they're about 24 inches long. They're about two feet long. Okay. They're about 12 inches wide. And the females are significantly bigger than the males. What up, girls? Do your thing. Yeah. Some pretty strong sexual dimorphism just in size. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like not coloring or anything like that. Features are all the same. It's literally just size. Yep. Yep. Uh, Whatever. They spend the majority of their lives in the water. Mm-hmm. Where they are in the water kind of depends on what time of the year it is. Okay. Most of the time they're in the deep water and they're right on the bottom. Oh, yeah. They're they bottom s- feeders. They're bottom feeders. They stick right on the I sand. mean, yeah, because they can swim, but also they have they legs scuttle. and not fins. They scuttle. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But they will go up to the shallows sometimes of the year and then they will come out of the water onto the shores to breed yeah do you think spawn does it does it um line up with like seasons where if it's really really cold in the deep they have to come up a little more for that's my assumption warmth yeah Yeah. you kind of just assume like when it gets real cold down there yeah i mean obviously these are cold water right or when um their food sources move too yeah Mm-hmm. so they mostly feed on small clams and other bivalves worms detritus uh, and other invertebrates. Sorry, what was that? Detritus. What is that? Um, just like random bits of sea stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like small microorganisms yeah. that you can't necessarily see that might just be like clustered onto stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yum, yum. Uncategorizable little specks of stuff. Oh, so like crumbs. Yeah. Like other people's leftovers. Yeah, probably. Stuff. Gross. Maybe algae. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Edible mold. Mm, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so now you mentioned that they kind of look sometimes like a shell that's an empty shell. Right, right. You know, like you would just like walk by on the beach and be like, oh, look, another empty shell that's overturned. So that totally happens with them because oh, no. they get bigger by molting. 
Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when they molt, they leave behind their shell. Right. And so sometimes people will find a shell on the on the shore yeah. and think, oh no, it's an overturned dying horseshoe crab. What can I do to help it? Yeah. It's and actually just an exoskeleton. Probably just an exoskeleton. Yeah. Not necessarily. And we'll talk about that later, but probably it's an abandoned exoskeleton. Yeah. Yeah. Because when they molt, it's not just, it's not just the shell, but you'll see like the yeah. casing of their entire body. The entire body. Just like you would if a reptile were to shed its mm-hmm. skin or, um, I mean, I'm trying to think of what other types of um, animals leave exoskeletons, like full exoskeletons behind. Yeah. I know there are others and they're just all... Oh, um, uh, tarantulas. Oh, yeah. And scorpions. Duh. Because they're closely related to scorpions. Sure. And there you go. You can see... And it literally looks just like an entire actual animal still. Yeah. How they get out of it... Like I right? don't understand. I yeah. I need I'm to sure watch there's some a video. Videos. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure there's videos out there. Definitely. But it's like, how do you leave it so perfectly formed? Because my dumb snake, <laughs> who can literally slither out it's of literally his skin, just a rope, like can't even <laughs> figure that out. No, <laughs> he does sometimes. I know, I know. <laughs> so they'll molt like 16 or 17 times in their life. Okay, how long do they live though? Ah, that's an excellent question. They live on average around 30 years. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I assume they probably molt more frequently when they're young and growing, mm-hmm. and then it, it will space out quite a exactly. bit Exactly. when they're older. Yep, absolutely. And they take a while to reach sexual maturity, too. They don't reach sexual maturity until between ages 9 and 12. Okay. I mean, that's, like, pretty average if we're talking, like, you know... Uh, Elizabethan royalty, <laughs> like live to yes. live to thirty five, become right. sexually mature at yeah. ten to twelve. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So basically, they just are Elizabethan royalty. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. It's uh, but yeah, I mean that seems fair. It it's always feels so bad for animals that live actually, you know, quite a bit compared to other animals, but, but sexually mature, like, I mean, cats literally sexually mature by four months old and right. they'll live to like 20, 25 yep. years old. I mean, not usually that long in mm-hmm. the wild, which is why, uh, but still like, yeah, that's crazy, man. Crazy. You're not ready. You're just a baby. No, just take some time for you, you know, explore, Don't rush into things, my take, friend. Just, just bond with yourself. Yeah. It takes some me time. I really <laughs> like that journey for you. <laughs> No. <laughs> um, so their only predators are sharks, large seabirds, and sometimes sea turtles. That's about the only thing that can puncture yeah. their exoskeleton enough to actually eat them. Right, right. Because otherwise it would just be like, meh, meh. Yeah. You know, like dogs when yeah. they're trying to do things, they're like, meh, meh, and they can't. Yep. So I would assume that the birds get them when they come up on shore for breeding or when they come into the more shallow waters. The birds mostly get the eggs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, yep. you know, obviously birds cannot deep dive to the bottom of the ocean. No. Sea turtles could. They don't mm-hmm. often, but they can. They and could. sharks certainly can. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Especially depending on which species of shark it is, right? too. Goblin sharks just live down there. Mm-hmm. I don't think goblin sharks and That's going to be um, such a fun episode. Horseshoe crabs live in the same in area, but you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know much about goblin sharks other than what they look like. Future episode <laughs> noted. So for spawning, like I mentioned, they come up to the the shores, right? So they do this in the spring. They're yearly seasonal breeders, right? And they'll migrate to the shallows, emerging from the sea to mate along the beaches on moonlit nights. Oh, it's really romantic. It's not romantic at all. It's, it's just so, science. It's so romantic. It's, it's just they less only, crowded at night. They only mate in the ro- moonlight, though. Well, that's because the moonlight is there always, and also it like, has to do with tides. Except I think, for like too. one. I don't know, one or two nights a month or one or two nights a cycle even it doesn't go with the month. Oh, it's also about the, the tides being high enough that they can get up <laughs> get onto to the, the shore. shore. Exactly. I mean, the, the shore is wherever the sea meets the True. the beach. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. They got to lay those eggs though. Yeah. And nice they don't want it in a high area. up so it won't get carried away too easily. Exactly. By so the male has a modified hook in the place of the first pair of claws, and it'll use that to grasp onto the female during mating. Okay. The females can lay 
Any guesses how many eggs at once? Mm, th- a couple thousand? Many thousand. Yeah. 90,000. 90,000? 90,000. God. Yep. And as they're laying them, the males will fertilize them as, the, as they're being yeah, laid. Which is yeah. how a lot of fish work. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, however, only a small percentage of those are going to make it to adulthood. Well, obviously. Yeah. Otherwise, we would have horseshoe crabs literally everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Which That's honestly, why they have to lay 90,000 wouldn't be eggs. that bad of a thing. <laughs> but yeah, they are a huge food source for migratory birds. Yeah. Salty mm-hmm. and delicious. So tasty. And these birds migrate at exactly the same time that the horseshoe crabs are coming up onto the shore. Mm-hmm. And so they're tasty and they're delicious. I'm sure they did perfect stopover. Once upon a time. And then some smart birds were like, oh, if we just hey. adjust. Or like the late yeah. comers or early comers were with the genetic yep. lines that were passing along because they were getting the good food. You know, somebody stopped on their road trip at one particular diner. Yeah. And they were like, everyone has to try this place. They it's put it up so on Bird good. Yelp. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Bird Yelp. <laughs> And now it's an all-you-can-eat horseshoe crab They put it up on caw. (laughs) Mm, Delicious. I think this is a really good place to pause because we're about to get into the deep dive. Okay. I think this would be a really good place to put in our our promo for For this episode. So every episode we like to share the promo of another podcast. Um, This week we have the honor and privilege of probably being the first to put this promo out into the world other than the podcast itself. So um, I have a new job and a new coworker who started listening to CritterCast, fell in love and decided it was time to finally start the podcast he'd been casually thinking about starting for a long time. So I'm proud to say that CritterCast inspired uh, the beginning of this podcast. It is an animal-themed podcast, and I let them tell you all about it. Yay! This is the Humane Roundup podcast. Hey, it's Officer Hildy from Northern California, and this is the Humane Roundup podcast, where each episode, my co-host and I will speak to you about all things animal control and animal shelter related. Some of the topics we will discuss are what it takes to become an animal control or humane officer, the difference between the two, what it is that we do as officers. We will also reveal some challenging times as well as some embarrassing times we've all had on the job. We have guest speakers from across the country and much more. Keep an eye out for our first episode coming to you mid-August. What's going on, everyone? It's Joe the ACO. I'm coming at you guys from the West Coast, the sunny state of California. Just John here from New Mexico. Look forward to uh, talking with you guys about anything animal control related and why we do this job every single day. Live from the 805, it's your big dog, Officer Ocho. Hey everyone, Officer Paw Patrol here coming at you from the Great Lakes state of Michigan. I want to welcome you to the Humane Roundup podcast. That's all for now, folks. You can find us online at Humane Roundup. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Wow. Yeah. It's very technical. Yeah. There's all kinds of techni- technical um, music happening in the background. So Michael, who is one the, the brain creator behind the podcast and mm-hmm. one of the hosts, um, is going to be out on military training for the next couple of oh, weeks. Wow. So they have uh, an episode recorded that they're working on, but they're probably not going to start posting until mid August okay. to give themselves plenty of time to get sure. out there. But get hyped because the trailer's fun. Awesome. And if you've ever been curious about animal shelters or what it takes to be an animal cop, yeah. um, if you've ever watched Animal Planet, that's a great podcast to listen to. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of cool information, not just about cats and dogs and like typical shelter animals, right. but all the wacky and weird and wonderful critters right. that they encounter too. Honestly, one of my favorite things about volunteering at an animal shelter was talking with some of the ACOs and hearing some of their stories about different animals that they encountered. It's just, it's so much more than you would imagine. So I'm really excited to yeah. listen to the podcast. Absolutely. Sounds great. It'll be a lot of fun and we'll get uh, Officer Michael um, as a guest host on CritterCast at some point too to talk about his favorite critters. Awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. Like right this second. Call mm, him. We can't. He's he's traveling to Michigan. <sighs> Rude. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for, you know, your service to the country. <laughs> That's pretty cool, I guess. <laughs> <Thank> Whatever. <you. laughs> All right. 
with that little break, are we ready for a deep horseshoe crab dive into the deep waters I mean, off they don't of even the have Atlantic to dive. shore? They just have to. I mean, I assume the they scuttle. just they the literally just instead of like swimming and and swimming down, they literally just keep walking yeah. until it's so deep. Totally. Oh my god, that's crazy. <laughs> There is some crazy stuff related to this. Yes. Okay. So those birds that I mentioned earlier? Yeah. Those birds are what the primary bird species that predates the horseshoe crab. Mm-hmm. They're called red knot birds. Red knot birds. Mm-hmm. Like I tie a knot like and K-N-O-T. it's a red knot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, they might be partially responsible for helping to save the species of horseshoe crabs. Interesting. Uh-huh. Huh. Mm-hmm. You think it's because they were predating on them so much that then horseshoe crabs started breeding more? Nope. Huh. Mm-hmm. Do they spread the eggs? Nope. I'm confused. I have a story to tell you. Okay. Settle in. Get comfy. Grab yourself a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Before we tell this Wonderful Boy. story. Let's stop the whining chihuahua in the background. I had Bye. to get my dog for cuddles Play to your enjoy. Dog. Get out of here. Uh, That's my dog. Rue, whose dog are you? Uh, I am definitely yeah. Tinkerbell's dog. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. That's accurate. He's like, I'm Tinkerbell's <laughs> best friend. So true. She don't care. <laughs> she got really excited to see him when I brought her home today. Uh, that's true. She it does love him. But she just doesn't care enough to react in the moment. No. Nope. And her reactions, even when she is excited, are, ah! Okay, done. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So here's the deal. So here's the deal. Uh Uh-huh. Are you ready? Was it all that intense that you had to say it twice? Yes. Okay. I'm building suspense. Okay. It's like a murder mystery, and we're trying to find out who done it. Except for it's who saved it, so. It's It's who done it first, and then... How the ones who saved them saved them. Okay. Yeah. It's complex. All right. Horseshoe crabs have been hunted by humans thirsting for their blood. For scientific research and medical purposes, that is. Okay. Okay. So the Atlantic horseshoe crab has extremely valuable blood. Okay. And when I say extremely valuable, I mean extremely valuable a quart of horseshoe crab blood can fetch up to fifteen thousand dollars okay mm-hmm. okay so do you want to know why i mean i'm guessing it's for medical reasons yeah as you oh, so wow, clearly right. stated <laughs> that's a great guess uh it can't cure cancer because that's not nearly expensive enough no no it doesn't cure cancer uh but what it can do is help us to identify Things that would be harmful to human bodies. Um, yeah. Is it because their blood functions similarly to our blood? It actually functions differently to our blood, which is how it helps us. Oh, okay. Okay. So unlike the blood of vertebrates, horseshoe crabs do not use hemoglobin to transport oxygen throughout their body. Okay. Instead, they use hemocyanin, which makes their blood literally blue. Okay. So... Do you remember in Star Wars when Luke was drinking some of that blue milk? I do not. The only reason that I recognize even the name blue milk is because of all the new Galaxy's Edge videos Mm -hmm. we've been watching. Yeah. So have you seen in those videos what the blue milk looks like? I mean, it looks kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. Kind of creamy. Yeah. It doesn't look like, it doesn't look like milk though. That's what horseshoe crab blood looks like. Oh. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. And the um, that's an, an interesting thing, the blue blood, but it's not why the blood is so valuable. The, the blood is so valuable because they carry this special kind of immune cell. Vertebrates carry white blood cells in their bloodstreams, but invertebrates right. like the horseshoe crab carry amoebocytes. 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 Interesting. Amoebocytes and horseshoe crab blood solidify when it comes into contact with endotoxins, which are pervasive and sometimes deadly products of bacteria, and they'll kick the immune system into gear. And when they're in a human body, a lot of times that will result in fever, organ failure, or even septic shock. Okay. 
but when the um when the horseshoe crab leg comes into contact with it, it will like firm up and solidify around it. So it'll just make little physical like rocks of blood. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that's not good for blood vessels. No, it's not, but what it can do is it can help us identify if there are endotoxins in drugs, needles, etc. So we can add the horseshoe crab amoebocytes to a sample of a substance. If that sample starts to clot, then we know that the endotoxins are in there. It can also be used to test for diseases like spinal meningitis. Interesting. Yeah. Now, I mean, is this something that like literally is exclusive to horseshoe crabs? Literally is exclusive. Even though supposedly other invertebrates function this way too? Nope. Specific to them. Oh, well yeah. then what is it that you were saying like like other invertebrates? Oh, so the other invertebrates um, have amoebocytes, but it's the specific substance that we can derive from the horseshoe crab blood amoebocytes. Okay. So it's called a limulus amoebocyte lysate or LAL. And we can only get it from them. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So it's incredibly valuable. And thanks to the ubiquity of endotoxins and the dire need to test for their presence, we need this substance. Okay. But <laughs> that's led to extreme overharvesting of horseshoe crabs. Right. Right? Right. And you can't farm them in captivity like you can with other fish because nope. you couldn't produce an environment that had the right food and deep enough water and the water pressure that they need to yep. strive on a daily basis. And they take so long to mature too. Right. Right. So companies are harvesting as many as 60,000 crabs a year. That's and, a lot. Right. And then they drain up to 30% of their blood before returning them to the ocean. They turn them back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who's like, they claim that that helps them to not decimate the population. But here's the thing. We don't know what the mortality rates actually are. From right. It. Well, yeah, because you let them go to the deep yep. ocean and you're not like counting bodies. They're not washing up on the shore. No. So some sources put the mortality estimate at around three or four percent. But other organizations rate that as like as high as 30 percent mortality rate. Right. So it's been a problem. Right? right. But here's the thing. We didn't know it was a problem. Because most horseshoe crabs spend most of their life in the deep water. Right. So we didn't really have a reliable way to track the population size. Right. However, in the mid-1980s to 1990s, the red knot horseshoe crab, or I'm sorry, the red knot bird, right. suddenly started declining in numbers. Mm, because their food source was disappearing. Exactly. Oh, so they use them as just an indicator yep. for how the population of horseshoe crabs is doing because I assume horseshoe crabs are their main source yep. or exclusive of, even. Of that of stage this. of their migration. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. There you go. So the populations of the red knots wintering in South America dropped by more than 50% from the mid-1980s to 2003. And so that's, they got listed as threatened and right. they were, um, it was a huge concern. There was research done to investigate the severe decline in red knots. Right. Nobody was concerned about the horseshoe crabs. Well, that's not necessarily like your first assumption. Right. Like it's one of the things you start looking into is like, okay, is there something going on with their food source? Yeah. But especially if, if you're, you know, that's just one piece of their food source, you wouldn't necessarily automatically right. make that. Exactly. Assumption. Yeah. So a team of scientists came together, led by Dr. Connor McGowan from the U.S. Geological Survey, the USGS, and they came up with a way to, first of all, investigate the relationship between the horseshoe crab and the red knot bird, right. and then to make a mathematical model to predict what we could do to change our fishing habits uh -huh. in order to preserve the population of both species. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, also getting this incredibly valuable substance that we need to have for 
human life. Right. Like, could we take less blood and hopefully increase their mortality? Mm -hmm. Or could we take less and, you know. Right. And then when do we get the blood? When do we catch them? If we catch them before they breed, that's a huge problem. Right. right? Because it takes them 10 years to reach maturity. Right. So if we're killing off all of the mature ones. Right. There's not going to be a population of mature ones to breed for another 10 years. Right. So... Do yeah. we catch them when they're little and they're trying to get back to the exactly. to the ocean, but not take that many of them? Yep, yep. So I love I love what they had to say. There there was a um, article that talked about this study, and I'm going to read you a direct quote. So the scientists weave together the ecology and biology of the red knot with the ecology and bi biology of the horseshoe crab to come up with predictions for the survival of the red knots based on the abundance of spawning horseshoe crabs. And once they had the basic model, they, quote, science the bleep out of it. Um, a scientific article said yeah. that? Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like it qualified on, much as this on the official U.S. Uh, Fish and Wildlife oh website. Oh my god! I know it was great. I loved it. All right. So based on those mathematical models, they put some regulations into place for fishing, and that happened in about the late 2000s. And since then, both species have begun to recover. Although the horseshoe crabs are still listed as a vulnerable population, but not a near extinction or mm -mm. highly threatened. Well, yep. there you go. Yep. Sometimes we can do smart things. Yeah. Also, this is really exciting. A synthetic version of LAL, which is the substance that we need, right. was manufactured successfully in two, 2003. And it's been gaining traction. Look, new substances take forever to get approval to be used in medical. The question being, yeah. would you then need to use the actual thing to test the synthetic thing Whoa. to make sure that it didn't have what if there the are endotoxins in the synthetic LAL? I'm just saying. Ah, it's a terrible. Cycle. What a paradox. <laughs> well, it's been approved for use in the U.S. and will likely be approved by the FDA for use. Or I'm sorry, it's been approved for use in Europe oh, and will okay. likely also be approved for use in the U.S. So that should also help, hopefully. With reducing the harvesting of horseshoe crabs. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, the thing is, if you can use a synthetic version, yeah. then you just don't need... No. Like, any just at all. please don't milk these crabs for their blood anymore. Yeah. The pictures are really uncomfortable. They couldn't like, consent I, to be blood donors. No. And here's the thing. I understand that there needs to be a balance between you know, medical research... And ethics, right? But also the pictures of this were very I mean, discomforting. I, I would say a balance between like medical research and human health versus like nature and wild populations. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But not necessarily with ethics. I feel like yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. point of ethics totally. is to be like, we don't compromise on at least the bare, like yeah. this bare standard. Yeah. Like, we don't compromise on that. Mm -hmm. And, like, if things start to get gray there, we need to step, step we back. Need to because to figure out <laughs> how not to do that. Right? Yeah. Like, that's the whole point of a code of ethics. Yeah. Morals and all that stuff. Yeah. Isn't there, don't you have to swear to first do no harm as a medical doctor? Doesn't yeah. that mean do no harm to horseshoe crabs, um, too? I guess that is where they would say... It's the greater good. Ooh, uh, this is turning into a philosophy podcast. I don't want to do philosophy. My <laughs> brain is too tired. All right. How that. about if I leave you with two fun facts? Okay. Okay. So the first fun fact is that horseshoe crabs can only eat when they're moving. What? <laughs> oh, well, because they use their legs exactly. to move food into their mouths. Yep. So, of course, they can't sit there nope. because, well, really, it's that they can't, like, they can't, well, no, you're right. They can't mm -hmm. eat, move without, they can't eat without moving. They could move without eating. Yes. But they can't the no. other way. Because if they just went to eat, they would inherently move. Yeah. A yeah. They bit. can't even really chew without moving their legs. <laughs> they have useless jaws. <laughs> yep. They do nothing. Yep. Mm -mm. It's legs. And then the other fun fact is that they have 10 eyes located all over their bodies, most of them being on the backs or sides. 
so some like, of them on, like, are on their tail. Oh, right. Because we didn't talk about their tail when you talked about the anatomy. Right. Just want to point out you skipped yes. over that spiky tail. I did. So that spiky tail, they have a tail that basically looks like a stingray's tail. Yeah. And you would probably be scared of it if yeah. you saw it. Yes. And not want to touch it. Yes. And no, don't touch it. Yes. Because it can hurt them. Yeah. It's harmless to you. Yeah. They mostly use it to steer. It's a rudder. Yeah. But, but I bet it's pokey. It's a little pokey, but it's yeah. not going to hurt you. But it does have eyes on it. Ah! So don't mess with it. That's creepy. They're actually photo the receptors. The crabs have eyes. <laughs> the crabs have eyes. <laughs> <laughs> We've been watching too many episodes of Shit's Creek recently. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eyes see, on their tails. I don't think that's a fun fact so much. Like... That's a tweezer teeth fact and you know it. I know. I, That's why I thought it was fun. Ugh. So uh, how are you feeling about horseshoe crabs? I don't know. Like, I do think they're cool. Yeah. They look very creepy. Now they make me a little sad because it yeah. makes me sad what humans will do when they think they're helping something. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, it's hard to argue right. that a substance that can help essentially it's a all life-saving substance right is is not great because yeah. it is but it just opens the door to what we will justify doing to animals yeah. for the sake of ourselves yeah and that makes me sad and here at crittercast obviously we are animal lovers but we are compassionate people we have compassion for humans humans too. are also animals exactly. therefore yeah yeah but you know forget plants <laughs> Oh, no compassion for plants on wow. this podcast. Excuse me, my basil plant is doing awesome. Okay. My basil plant. Oh, okay. I just looked at my three fake plants. I thought your mom didn't know they were fake. Oh no, she knew. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was it was a joke. Clearly, obviously, we need plants. It's a circle of life. Everybody needs everything. Delicate balance we of ecology. Without plants. We need them. <laughs> and right. we wouldn't have plants without bees, so we need the bees. But Save you know what we don't need? Mosquitoes and ticks. They serve no function. Literally, all None. they do is spread disease and hurt things. Yep. We don't like mosquitoes and ticks. We'll never do an episode. Because we will find no. nothing redeeming. No, no. Nothing. No. Convince us otherwise. Yeah. If you feel like you really want to come onto CritterCast and and talk to us about how great mosquitoes are, mm -hmm. we invite you to. But I guarantee there's nobody out there that's on the pro-mosquito train. Also, we will not be convinced. <laughs> so there. It is impossible. <laughs> yeah. You will not do it. <laughs> You know somebody out there is like, challenge accepted. Well, I'd love to hear from that person because I think we could have quite the argument. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was a very interesting episode on yeah. horseshoe crabs, which are indeed and in fact not crabs. So yep. we learned they are underwater spider scorpion things. Yes. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Makes no sense. But then again... Right. When does taxonomy ever make any sense? Right. Which is the secondary theme of this podcast. Yes. Wacky, weird, wonderful <laughs> animals. And why do we even try to categorize and things? And how we don't know how to categorize them. Well, yeah, because honestly. Because like, they can't be. They, it's too They hard. don't all fit because in an easy organizational had, structure. Exactly. Every time you have one that doesn't fit perfectly and you have to start a new category. Yep. And then you literally just have thousands and thousands of categories. And then you end up with classes called mouth legs <laughs> and that's it <laughs> and it's just about like two animals yep that's or, it or even just one. Oh, yeah <laughs> yeah we don't we can't it's it's a frustrating topic here on CritterCast, but we we survive yep earlier in this episode we gave you guys uh, a reminder about our patreon and all the wonderful things you can find on there you can go there specifically at patreon.com slash crittercast and you'll go straight to our page where you can browse through our different tiers and choose to sign up if you so like there are a couple teasers on patreon so before even signing up or giving us any money oh yeah you can uh, take a look at the kind of content we've got going check it on. out see if it's for you exactly it is that's the answer. Yeah. In the meantime, you can also follow us on social media. We are on Facebook as CritterCast. We are on Instagram at CritterCast Podcast. And we are on Twitter at Cast Critter. And we are super cute. <laughs> okay. Sure. I mean, the animals we post are always really cute. So That's what I go. meant. 
Oh, okay. What are you talking about? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, if you feel like you are a little lost and you don't even know what's going on, maybe take a look at our website, CritterCastPodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got an, a little About Us page. We've got a page Ooh. that has all 38 of our episodes. <gasps> Fancy. We've got a page that has different reptile care sheets yeah. and some info on if you're thinking about getting a reptile, like how much they kind of cost That's or right. versus how much care they kind of require. Um, and then we have a tab on there. Oh, we have a tab on there for our red bubble shop yep. where you can find merchandise with all kinds of fun designs. Some of them are like funny inside jokes of our podcast. Tweezer teeth. Obviously, And some of them are just really cute um, pieces of artwork by our lovely friend Zara, who you can find at artsbyzara.com. I think mm-hmm. um, it's linked on that page yeah. because she's done most of the artwork for us. And the last, I think the last tab on our website is our blog tab, which we have not started yet, no, but it'll be here but soon. We're excited. We have yes. plans in the works, my friend. Yes. Um, and if you go through all of that and you're still thinking, gosh, darn, <laughs> how can I possibly get more CritterCast? Just reach out to us and let us know what you want and we will do our best to yeah. make it happen. We are reachable on all of our social media and at our email podcast at gmail.com that's us i think that's our whole end spiel yeah find us on all the social medias listen back to our previous episodes if you joined in on this episode and you're kind of interested in in listening to some other things take a look through you can pretty much tell right off the bat what episodes are about Mm -hmm. we've done something for everyone at this point yeah if you're really interested in this whole what the heck taxonomy thing yeah maybe check out the manatees episode that one was a big one that was good if you're super into conservation Mm -hmm. and research or talking about scientific use in animals you could check out our hornworm episode yeah we talk a lot about how they're used um in science as well yep and if you're looking for something a little more lighthearted check out one of our kitten or dog episodes where we just kind of talk about how great pets are and if you're here because you love the reptiles we have several lovely reptile episodes including our bearded dragons ball pythons corn snakes and of course our original geckos and kenyan sand boas oh yes wow insulted i had my corn snake out today it was just easy to easy to keep them at the top of my head okay 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 so that's us here at CritterCast. We thank you guys so much for tuning in today. I think Cassie would always remind you guys to stay beautiful and you're the mm-hmm. lovely kind of people that... Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I uh, Always remember to water their plants. Okay, there you go. Yep. I, I was going to come up with something clever and I just couldn't. <laughs> I thought of one thing and then I thought it might offend people. So I didn't. <laughs> Uh, is that something we're worried about now i don't know apparently not no not really okay good um but (laughs) yeah again thank you guys for tuning into CritterCast, and we hope to see you next time see you later alligator after a while crocodile this is the CritterCast podcast